0: The following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning. Oh, there you are. Mm, it's good to be together as a family of God this morning, Amen. Mm. And I praise God for short memories, because you all came back, you were here last week and (laughs) forgot how brutal last week's text was, so you came back for more. Congratulations for you, I'm feeling bad. We are continuing our work in the Gospel of Mark, we're on to chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 1 through 12, which is page 8. Four or five in a pew Bibles. We're going to look at a very popular teaching of Jesus. Uh, Everybody's favorite. Nobody's ever skipped over this passage before. It's Jesus' teaching on divorce and on the sanctity of marriage. God's design. Very popular. Well... (laughs) Yeah, this is, uh, I I want you to know, uh, I recognize this is not an easy text to deal with. It's not an easy topic to deal with. I know many of you here, I'm sure, have dealt with this personally or at very least know someone who has or possibly even uh, walking through it right now or walking with loved ones who are. I'm not going to apologize for the text. I was tempted to call some people and just say, heads up. Maybe take this week off, you know I want to take it easy on you, but I want I, I want you to know that I recognize uh, I do recognize this may be a difficult word uh, for for some of you today. So let's look at that text and we'll pray together. Mark chapter 10 start at verse one. and he left there Jesus. Jesus left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. And the crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And the Pharisees came up, and in order to test him, they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let man not separate. And in the house the disciples asked him again about this matter, and he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit that brings it alive. We pray, Father, that your spirit would guide our thoughts this morning that our wills would bend to yours, that our will would align with your word, and that we would not expect your word to align with our wills. Father, we ask for your help, and we ask for your grace. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm sure you are all reading that on your inspirational coffee mug this morning. So here's Jesus and the disciples. Um, We have been following their travels, and they are making their way south from Galilee down to Judea and a region to the east of the Jordan, uh, the Jordan River called Perea. So if you look in your uh, map in the back of your Bible, you will see a region marked out as Perea, and that's uh, that's where they are at this point. Jesus is moving south towards Jerusalem and towards the cross. This, this region, why it's important for us to understand where, who cares where they are, right? This is what Jesus said. But why, he's, uh, why the Pharisees are asking this question actually has to do with his location. Because the, this region uh, um, called Perea was under the jurisdiction of Herod Antipas. <clears throat> Which has a great deal to do with the question the Pharisees brought. Uh, if you were around when we were teaching about uh, John the Baptist and his execution, it was Herod Antipas that had John imprisoned. Um, do you know? Do you remember why John the Baptist was in prison? John the Baptist. Criticized Herod for divorcing his wife and marrying his brother's ex wife. So the Pharisees asking this question of Jesus is not um, coincidental. Um, this John's stance on um, the sanctity of marriage um, eventually led to his execution at the request of Herodias' daughter. Yuck. Right? So, but all of that lends context. So, when the Pharisees are asking, they're not just randomly, let's think of a question to get Jesus with, right? This is, um, if Jesus came right out and said, uh, no, it's unlawful for a man to divorce his wife, now he is in danger from Herod if he takes that public stance. That's exactly what they were after. But also, among the Jews, there were two prevailing schools of thought um, about divorce. On the one hand, there was the teaching of Rabbi Shammai, who was a popular rabbi, uh, who said that a man could divorce his wife only if she had been unfaithful to him. So if she had an affair, it's okay uh, for him to divorce her. And on the other hand, there's the teaching of Rabbi Hillel who said that a man could divorce his wife for any reason whatsoever, um, even burning his dinner. And that's written down or I wouldn't mention it. (laughs) So you can see that the Pharisees are setting up Jesus there. This is a total setup where Jesus could not answer this question and not be in trouble or on the outs with somebody. It would either divide his own followers um, because some uh, liked Shammai and some like Hillel, um, or it could bring him under the condemnation of Herod. So that's kind of bad, right? This is kind of a no-win scenario. But it gets worse, don't worry. Their question was also very carefully worded. They didn't just say, hey, is it okay for a man to divorce his wife? What do you think about a man divorcing his wife? They said, is it lawful? That's a very important word. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? If Jesus says, no, it's not lawful for a man to divorce his wife, the Pharisees would accuse him, of breaking the law, because their interpretation of deuteronomy twenty four, which is we'll look at that in a minute, um, they would they would say, you're violating what Moses said in Deuteronomy. If Jesus said, yes, it's lawful for a man to divorce his wife, the Pharisees would accuse him of not being a prophet of God, but a panderer to men. Um, so that again, It's just layer after layer of no-win situation for Jesus. There was no right answer for Jesus to give, so he does what he does, and he answers their question with a question. He, He asked them a question in response. Jesus ignores the debates of the day and focused on God's word. That's why we're here. Forget about the debates of the day. What does God's word say? We can take a lesson from that on every single issue that faces us today. We can also take a lesson from the Pharisees on what not to do. Don't come to Jesus with a question you've already answered in your mind. Don't come to him with a question uh, you've answered in your heart and expect him to bow to your will or else he expose himself as a fraud. When we come to Jesus with our questions, we must come to him humbly, desiring to know what the mind of God is on the matter that's on our minds. We must uh, be satisfied with the answer that God's word gives. As John Calvin wrote, what is sought in opposition to God's word is not a remedy if it's a violation of God's word, it is not a remedy. It is not good. It is not good for us, and it does not bring glory to God. So the Pharisees came up, and in order to test him, asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. Now you know how much I love the words and the different specific words that get used here. The two different words. Jesus asked what Moses commanded. And did they say Moses commanded us to do this? No. They could only respond with what Moses allowed. Very different words. Why is that important? That's important because Moses acknowledged the presence of divorce in Israel, but he didn't institute it and he didn't authorize it. He did, however, allow a man to write a certificate of divorce for his wife and send her away. But that's not about freedom for the man. That's about protection for the woman. Adultery in Israel, if you remember your Levitical laws, is a capital offense. You cheat on your spouse, you get stoned to death, you and your other partner. Both adulterer and adulteress were to be stoned to death outside of the camp. Sounds gentle, doesn't it? By writing a certificate of divorce, the husband was attesting that the wife was free from guilt of adultery. It was freedom for her from condemnation and punishment. So does that make divorce lawful? Thank you for not jumping to an answer. Listen to what else Jesus has to say. Jesus said to them in verse 5, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let man not separate. Now Some of those words should sound familiar to you. They're recited at Every Christian wedding, I think, at least every wedding that I perform. And this is a wonderful reminder of God's design for marriage. Not a contract of temporary convenience, but rather a covenant of mutual fidelity and lifelong union before God. Jesus said that Moses allowed men to divorce their wives due to their hardness of heart. And the hardness of heart is a stubborn unwillingness to trust God in the midst of circumstance. This is just too hard, God. We're just too different. We can't do it. This statement of Jesus stands in stark contrast to the sentimental excuses given for splitting up marriages today. It just wasn't working out. You know, we've just grown apart. We're just too different. The list goes on and on. But the reality remains the same. The issue is still hardness of heart. Marriages depend on softness of heart. Exactly the opposite. They they depend on humility and selflessness and service and love. Marriages depend on humble dependence on God. And recognition of the need for God's intervention in the relationship. It's simple, but not easy. Warren Wearsby wrote The Lord then took them back beyond Moses to the record of the original creation. After all, in the beginning, it was God who established marriage, and he has the right to make the rules. According to scripture, marriage is between a man and a woman, not two men and two women. And the relationship is sacred and permanent. It is the most intimate union in the human race, for the two become one flesh. This is not true of father and son or mother and daughter, but it is true of a man and wife. But From the beginning of creation, God made them male and female, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let man not separate. What the Pharisees wanted was to trap Jesus and to cost him either his followers or his freedom. They didn't want an answer to this question. They wanted Jesus to answer it, But only to get him in trouble, not because they wanted to know the mind of God. And what they got instead of a convenient trap, they thought they were so clever, what they got was Jesus' endorsement of God's design for marriage. One man, one woman, one flesh, one lifetime. That is God's design for marriage. Roy Zuck wrote, As one flesh, husband and wife form a new unit comprising a sexually intimate, all-encompassing couple just as indissoluble in God's present creation order as a blood relationship between parent and child. It's just not one that should be cut up. And the disciples, those sharp, perceptive, incredibly intelligent scholars, Still didn't get it. So Jesus spells it out in crayon for them. In verse 10, And in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Now, something interesting uh, the Lord brought to my attention after I wrote all this down was in Matthew's account of this, uh, Matthew's record of this account, the disciples then say in response, uh, then who, who could possibly be married? It's, it's better for us to remain single. Okay. But Mark doesn't record that. Now, this this came to me in the shower this morning, right? Mark doesn't record that. Now, I've said to you before, Mark is writing down Peter's account, Peter's gospel account. What do we know about Peter in marriage? Peter was married already, so we didn't write that one down. We're just going to leave that part out. Matthew, single guy, who cares? Fire away, right? Just funny. Jesus' explanation couldn't be any plainer. If a man divorces his wife and marries another, he commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. It doesn't get any plainer than that. But we still question it. Right? he really mean that. I mean, it's really hard. He doesn't. What about my situation? It's what about the things that are going on in my life? What? But you don't understand what she did or she you don't understand what he said. It doesn't change God's word on the matter. When questioned on divorce, even though it was intended to be a trap, Jesus honored and upheld scripture in his response. He pointed back to the lawgiver pointed back to the lawgiver's scribe, God the Father and Moses, his prophet. And the word of God did exactly what it always does. It exposed sin and drives us to grace. God's created order was and is and always will be one man, one woman, one flesh, one lifetime. That is God's design. Jesus simply reminded the Pharisees what the scripture says. And it says that marriage was created by God and it is defined by God. That simple statement answers the question, is divorce a sin? Yes, it is. Divorce is a sin. It always has been and always will be. It also answers the question, is adultery a sin? Is having sexual relations with someone to whom you are not married or who is married to someone else, is that a sin? The answer is yes. It always has been, always will be. Sex outside of marriage is a sin. It also answers the question, is gay marriage a sin? The answer is yes. It is. It's a violation of God's created order and God's definition of marriage. It always has been. It always will be. It also answers the question, is polygamy a sin? Having multiple spouses at once, yes, polygamy is a sin. It is a violation of God's created order and definition of marriage. Okay? Simple. But the most important question to consider, and you may be wondering this already or have wrestled with this in the past, are these sins unforgivable? Are they greater than God's grace? The answer is no, they're not. They are not beyond God's ability to forgive. That doesn't make them not sin. Ray Steadman said, I know that when I'm addressing an audience, some in it will have gone through divorce, perhaps with adultery involved. I do not intend to impose a sense of condemnation on anyone, but I do want to make clear what Jesus said, that divorce is sin. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Divorce is a violation of God's intention for marriage. It always is, and it always involves some form of sin. But thank God, although that is what the law says, grace comes in to tell us that sin can be forgiven. There is the possibility of restoration, of healing, of God's beginning again the work of creating oneness, either with the same couple or perhaps as each goes on to a different union. They will have learned lessons which will facilitate the beauty of relationship that God has in mind. Sin is not to be celebrated. It is to be repented of, turned from, allowing the grace of God to cleanse you from it. That's why Jesus came in the first place, to give his life on the cross. So that God in his grace would only see Jesus... When he looks at us, and we through faith in him would find healing and restoration. Whenever people are involved, there are always problems. Successful marriages aren't marriages without problems. Successful marriages are those that two people together with soft hearts and a great measure of grace overcome those problems with God's help, for God's glory. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you that you care about these things. We thank you that you have given us clear instructions on them. We thank you for your created order and how it brings you glory. Father, help us to follow it, not to excuse our uh, bad behavior, not to excuse our sin, or try to explain away that you didn't really mean what you said, but to accept your word, to repent of our sin, accept your grace and forgiveness, and move on to lives that bring you glory. I thank you, Lord, for the marriages within this church family. I thank you, Lord, for bringing us all to the place that we are at right now, that your spirit has done wonderful things to bring each of us here, no matter how difficult the story has been in the past. We thank you for your great grace that's brought us to where we are today. For those that are not married or not considering it, Lord, may they still hold the truth of your word, the sanctity of marriage and the importance of it, even if you haven't called them to that. Father, I pray that we would represent you well, that we would follow your word and therefore glorify you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church Post Office Box 576 West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.